Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Erin McCoy, here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. Today we have an interview with the owner of a new restaurant and craft beer bar who is breaking new ground and offering a unique experience to the Charleston, West Virginia area. In spite of a bit of audio interference from a passing thunderstorm, I think you'll enjoy hearing the creativity of this new project. Well, we're here with Steve Frame, and Steve is the co-proprietor, I guess you'd call it, Steve, of the new The Pitch Bar in Institute, West Virginia. Is that that's uh, that's who you are? That's who we are. Yes. Steve, tell me about the location. Being in Shawnee Sports Complex is unique. So why Institute and why the Sports Complex? Well, it, it's actually a really funny question. Um, we originally didn't look at this place um, because of its size. Um, it, it actually wasn't even on the radar at the point. We really wanted to do something a little small, smaller, a little more homier. Uh, but uh, this place kind of found us. Um, so it owned by the county. Um, the county has put you know millions of dollars into the project here at the sports complex. And, uh, you know, this building set here kind of as an eyesore. It wasn't really used. Um, people just rented it out for small parties and, and such like that, but never anything sustainable in here and the building kind of aging. Uh, and, you know, uh, as we all do, you know, when you're not in a building and it's not occupied, it, it deteriorates very fastly. So, so anyway, we were, uh, uh approached about coming in and, um, you know, with Paul Smith and my brother Trey and I, and we uh, took the leap, and here we are. Um, so tell me, this is the first restaurant for you and your brother, right? Yes, it is actually our first restaurant, um, and, and it's kind of funny uh, in, in that aspect, too, because we all come from construction background and uh, motorsports background and, and such, and but we've always wanted our own place. I've I've always dabbled in food and, and I've always dabbled in, in uh, everything else. And so um, he wanted the same thing I did and I wasn't doing it without Paul. And so I called Paul and said, hey, man, uh, you know, let's let's work on this thing and, and create something unique uh, for everybody. And when we did that, this was a long process. We're, we're talking probably five years in the making. Wow. Uh, uh, and so the opportunity presented itself and this place presented itself. And again, we just held hands and jumped and uh, here we are today. Okay. That's definitely exciting. And also very intimidating in this time with all of the restaurants and bars that have been affected by the virus. Of course, talk about your thoughts on opening a restaurant during this crazy time. Well, that's one of the things that's, it's always a difficult question to, to answer because we get that question so many times. Um, you know, with that being said, we had a lot of anticipation coming into it. Uh, there was a lot of things that we wanted to do in the very beginning and it was the, the ultimate hit the brakes for us. Uh, when we started this. you know, now that there's the regulation have to uh, commit to with the 50% uh, capacity, uh, luckily for us, a large footprint so our capacity is a little bit higher than others but it also gives us room to move things around 
Um, also, you know, it, it creates an expense, uh, which most everybody's feeling with um, sanitation. I'm not saying that sanitation is is uh, poorly done. It's just there's extra sanitation that has to be done and not allocated for beginning because of this time. Um, so you get a, a highly criticized uh, industry uh, already, uh, and then you tax something like this on top of it, and it, you know it's everybody's got a platform these days and you know speak about you know what's going on and what's what's going bad and and what this place what this place is not doing when you're trying to do everything that you can to protect your people and them at the same time. So it's a tough, uh, really, but it, it, it's something that, that everybody should keep in mind in this industry and, and move forward with the best foot that they can and, uh, and do their part. Sounds good. Um, let's move over to your food menu. What type of things will you offer as far as, you know, your general menu? Well, our, we're running the streamline menu right now. We call it the spring training menu. Um, it, it's a cut down uh, variation of, of what we would normally do. Of course. Uh, we have, you know, we have your usual suspects that you would see at a sports play. But we have our own player to it. Um, we're bringing back some uh, nostalgic things to the menu um, with uh, like the Houdini fried balloon from uh, the original Gold Dome, which is happens to be my brother's father-in-law's place, and so we were able to poach the uh, poach the recipe off of him, and 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 we're even lucky enough to have him here coming and uh, teaching the guys in the kitchen how to make that thing the real way. So, um, if you guys remember the the Sterling downtown, they, um, Aaron, you may be a little bit too young for that one, but uh, <laughs> Charles may. <laughs> oh yeah, I know the Sterling. Yeah. But um, we're bringing back the Sterling salad um, that, that came out of there, so uh, which is older than most of us. And so uh, another thing that we do is we source uh, as many local ingredients as we can uh, for our menu. We work with Grits Farm. We work with uh, George from Charles Mushrooms and, and anything that we can source out locally and cook locally and, and you know, just show that we're West Virginia and, and everything that we do here uh, is very important to us. Um, tell me, who is your head chef and what attracted you to him or her? Well, our head chef is uh, Paul Smith. Uh, Paul is kind of the local rock star when it comes to uh, food around here. Um, lots of different things and lots of education, capital market with, uh, with groups. Uh, he has another uh, restaurant that with which is Barcadas. It's a Filipino restaurant. Paul and my brother go back years. They went to high school together. He went to high school with my wife. Uh, I've known Paul since we were little. So it, it's you know it it's not like it's a, a thing where we sought you know him out because uh, of his credentials. Actually, we did, but the, <laughs> the, he's our friend and uh, and one of, one of our best buddies, and so we basically said we weren't doing it without him and we kind of, you know, strong darned him into coming over with us. So, so Steve, let's move over in now to the topic that uh, most of our listeners want to want to hear about. And that's the craft beer side. And uh, I was curious about you. I don't know you. And I just wondered, how did you get your interest in craft beer personally there? Uh, craft is, uh, that's a good, that's a really good question. I don't think I've ever been directly asked that. Um, you know, uh, 
when I became of age to drink beer, uh, and uh, maybe sometimes before that. But anyway, uh, we, you know, you start out with your normal domestic, you know, uh, domestic beer and uh, your basic classics, and then you move your way forward. Your palate changes as you, you know, you, you get out there, and, and the more people come around, and now it's like there's a plethora of different types of beer out in the industry, and and I'm a beer guy. I love beer, and I love all different types of beer. I'm I'm not you know, uh, specific to a, a certain brand, um, except Stumptown, if you're listening guys, uh, no, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's always been a hobby for me to have the different types of beers to go to the different festivals. Uh, I've been to a few beer fests and, uh, and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's, it, it's, it's really fun to do and, and, uh, you know, it's exciting, exciting yeah. to try the yeah, exciting for all of us. And uh, I was curious too: is uh, what are some of your go-to styles, things that you enjoy the most? Uh, it's funny. I, I I like a good Kolsch, uh, which is a super light beer and easy to drink, uh, especially on a hot day. I like uh, IPAs and double IPAs, and and uh, I like porters. You know, uh, lagers. You, you name it, I, I'll drink it. I'm not a I'm like a. I don't have a specific favorite um, because I like all beer. Yeah. Well, one thing I think everybody's really curious about and that we've been hearing about for some months, and that's uh, a special feature in your loft at the the new restaurant, The Pitch. Um, The loft will feature Stumptown Ales beers or beers from Stumptown Ales up in Davis, West Virginia. Talk about how that relationship with Stumptown Ales came about. When we first started looking at um, the buildings and and looking at doing something, uh, we wanted to keep the beer local. And local, I mean in West Virginia. So uh, we go to name valley all the time i'm always in davis we go eat at hellbenders and and all the places downtown it's a nice little electric eclectic town to go to and um, i always go to some towns i'm there so after uh, after some discussion about that me and john and cindy uh were introduced to each other and uh i told him my vision of a restaurant or a app house so to speak um, and I wanted to feature them um, and, and, and work with, learn the industry a little bit better as somebody that, that is not a non-brewer and, and understand what they're doing, how they do it. And so the relationship grew between us both. And, uh, you know, and so I pitched it to him and said, hey, you know, would you guys like to be involved in this and, uh, and come down and uh, be supportive of what we're trying to do here? Um in our vision and their vision and my vision kind of went, you know, in parallel and, uh, they said yes. And we've been with each other since. So this probably been, um, a little over a year process with them and, uh, getting it to the point where, um, we're comfortable with what we have here and, and, and mimicking their tap up at their pub in Davis. And so, um, yeah, I think this is something that, you know, we haven't seen other bars in the state, to my knowledge, do, and that's to take a special section of their of their taps and feature full-time one brewery. And, uh, I mean, I know the brewery's not involved. I want to make that clear. That's not a Stumptown project. It's a your project. It's, the, it's totally the pitch because they can't technically and legally be involved in 
in supporting those taps anyway, other than selling you beer retail. Just So it's really your decision that brought about this, and I think it's exciting to see uh, that happen. So go ahead and talk a little bit about how you're setting up the, the Stumptown beers in the loft. So you're exactly right. Um, it, it, it's, it's not there. That's why we feature them. Um, we all really like their beer here. And so um, it just completely made sense once I got them involved with the other guys. And so um, and so what we did is we wanted to, and, and John wanted to, um, I, we wanted to make their pub up in, in Davis. And so they have a lot more than an eight beers on tap. Um, and so for logistical reasons, we decided to go with a tap system up, up, up in the loft. And that eight tap is prim- their primary beers that they sell in their uh, up in Davis, and we wanted that support, and they to support us because of our needs, what we're trying to create in this atmosphere, um, c- kind of like a tap house, but not necessarily a tap house because we're also a full time, you know, restaurant. right? But we wanted to be able to offer um, everyone that type of beer you can't it's a three and a half hour drive up up, the, up to davis and so not everybody gets the opportunity that or even get to travel it so it was it it only made sense for them to immerse themselves in our project to be able to make that available to uh the people down on this end of the state so mm-hmm. you know it, it was a great idea and and uh and they loved it and and we loved it and now we got all their beer. Yeah, so about any day somebody walks into the pitch, they can always find uh, eight taps of different Stumptown beers, and those will, of course, change through the seasons, I'm sure. Yeah, so have it set up is uh, we go, uh, if you come up to our taps, we have their lightest to their darkest up on uh, up on uh, the tap system. And so the way that works, there is some seasonals. There'll be some special releases that will change out here and there. For the most part, uh, if you're looking at their tap list on uh, their website, it's it's what our tap list is. Mm-hmm. Um, have um, we have on untapped, so you can check in and see what we're doing and go from there. Oh, that's Future. great! And I know that uh, your beer list is much broader than Stumptown. I, I, I know you have a lot more taps. Talk a little bit about the main bar, which is on the first floor, the ground floor of the of the pitch, and talk about how, how that is set up in beer and how you're deciding what you're carrying in the main bar. Well, our we're very, very proud of our, our main bar tap. It's a 10-tap system. But before I go those beers, I want to tell you about the bar itself. We're the only fellas and business in West Virginia to have a frost rail. So I have a four inch wide frost rail that goes down the middle of the bar that like it snows every day of the week. And so your beer should never ever go sitting at that main bar. Yeah, I, I like those frost bars. A friend of mine works at Marker 48 Brewery down in um, uh, Florida and uh, they have a frost bar, which I'm in there a good bit when I visit Florida, which is every year. And uh, t- talk a little bit about that, though, that more about how that works, because a lot of people around West Virginia may not be familiar with a frost bar. Well, a lot of times, most people think that that frost bar is a chunk of ice that goes down the middle of a, a bar or, or something that you carve out and shots out of. That's not how <laughs> it works. Um, 
it is a, uh, a system that's set up that's like an air conditioner that has a condenser and coils underneath it. Uh, there's a stainless steel uh, flat top that goes across it, and then there on each side of it is uh, heating elements. Those heating elements keep the frost from carrying over in the wood side of the bar, so it won't ruin your bar. And uh, and we control the temperature of that. And uh, every evening it turns off, and every morning it turns on and defrosts itself. It's not like it's there overnight. Well, that's pretty cool. I think that'll be a nice draw, too. But let's move on into your philosophy on selecting beers and how you decide what you're going to put on your main taps. Well, it, it's very simple for us is we only wanted to focus on West Virginia beers on the main tap. So all 10 are West Virginia beer only, and they will always be West Virginia beer. That's great. Yeah, so uh, can we expect then that those will vary and you'll continue to rotate through the different local breweries in West Virginia? Because there's now you know, nearly 30 different breweries. Uh, not that you can get them all, but you can get most of them. Right. There, there are quite a few breweries in that state, and, and they all make fantastic beer, and I would love to have everybody here. Uh, but there are some logistical reasons why you, you can't, and, uh, and we understand that. Um, we would love to have some of the beer from up north, and just can't get it down this way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for this place to operate the way it does on a full-time basis, I can't necessarily make a drive either. So, um, Speaking of your main bar, I understand there's going to be a special tap for the local beer group craze. So tell me about that. I want to hear more about it. So I've been following the craze guys for or quite some time now. And uh, luckily, I a couple of guys that are in that group and, and reached out and said, hey, you know, this is my vision and uh, with my bar and uh, I would love to have you guys involved into it. And it, it makes sense. The following is and the, you know, all the information that's out there that, you know, everybody stays on top of it. So when I reached out to him, I said, look, I want to be so involved with you guys. I want you guys to be so involved with us. I'm going to make our number 10 on the main bar a craze. So, yes. yeah. So, uh, and so I reach out to them uh, when it's time to order and, they pick a West Virginia beer, and nice. uh, and so uh, I try to get that in, and and we'll get our own special tap handle from those guys, and I'm looking forward to getting it, and uh, and stay involved. Well, the, us us crazy members certainly do appreciate that, and look forward to it. Yeah, Absolutely. one special tap, or at least selected by the local beer club in Charleston. Yeah. That's nice to hear. It's nice. And you're going to have, have more than draft. I know you'll also have, uh, well, matter of fact, wait a second. Let me stop first because I understand there's another section of the bar that I done my cheat sheet here that I haven't asked you about. And it's something called a fill station. You got to explain that, uh, Steve. What's a fill station? So our, our station is another six taps. And it features some West Virginia and some regionals and some big guys out there. So um, some popular things that, that everybody loves and that the industry is pushing and, and what we've seen. So we've, we will rotate that tap quite often, um, like our 10 tap. But at that station, we are doing crowlers. And so anything that we have on tap in-house, I can put it in a pretty golden can and put our name on and their name on it, and you can go out the door with it. So will the Crowler uh, filler be available for the other main taps or just the fill station taps? 
Absolutely. Every tap in the house. Okay. So the fill station is just kind of another section then beyond the 10 main taps then the or the main bar taps, the fill station's in a little separate area, and then you'll have other beers. Will those be available by the glass as well at the fill station? Absolutely. So every tap in the house will be available to fill for a glass. And uh, every tap in the house can also uh, fill a crowd. Yeah, so we're really talking about, like, what, six at the fill station, ten on the main bar, eight in the loft. That's quite a few taps uh, total. How many is that? I haven't added it up, but that, that's, that's really cool. And then beyond that, uh, I assume you're also going to carry some cans and bottles. Which cans, I mean, no, specifically, but why would you, which kinds of cans, or what are you trying to cover with the cans and bottles that you don't have in draft? Well, you know, unfortunately, during the time we're in now, a lot of the breweries, especially in-state, had to move to canning. Um, and so instead of dumping beer and, and, and getting rid of them that way, uh, they've moved into canning and being able to sidewalk sell them. And so uh, hopefully what we can do is kind of ease the burden uh, as little as we, you know, as much as we can uh, and try to get those uh, that beer in here. We having a we've been having trouble getting some sixtals in. Where we designed the system to run a sixtal, um, we have a couple of half barrels in, but you know, really, we designed it for that. So um, there's been really a shortage of stock beer versus you know canned beer, and and moving their barrels or their sixtals into cans uh, has helped eliminate some of the dumping that we've seen around the state, which is you know, it, yeah, everybody hear that and and so uh on top of that we're going to have some normal beers in cans a lot of those cans already um and that's the only way to get them and um and so we've picked a few out that that's going to be an ever-changing list uh right now we have a a decent starter menu for cans and bottles and and you'll have your normal domestics in there you have to with with the kind of location that we're in uh being complex um but we also have some more higher end things that we wanted to uh, put out there, um, including truly for our, our moms out there that love the love that stuff. You did say truly, yes. Say truly, yes. Um, with the restaurant and bar combination, do you expect to have live music or any kind of um, other entertainment on a regular basis? Maybe special events, or what is your thought on that? Well, our thought um, with this place is always a fun atmosphere and, and creating an atmosphere where people want to come back and enjoy themselves here, even if it's not just for the food, uh, even if it's not just for the beer, um, if it's, you know, coming in and watching a couple guys pluck on a guitar. Okay. Do some stuff like that. We always uh, have plan- have something special going on here all the time. Are you uh, going to focus on anything in particular though, that you want to have sort of a reputation for or just kind of spread the love? Well, we, uh, we're all about spreading the love and, uh, and especially West Virginia love. And, and that, and that really you know, brings me to uh, a few things and that's, uh, working with all the, the local breweries, having them come in and do kick the keg nights and, and, you know, showing off their beer and, and teaching the, the, the people that might not know about them, uh, teach them what their you know, what their philosophy is on their beer and, and why they do it the way they do it and and the educate the more that we can educate people on uh, beer and, and wine we'll do the same thing with wine and and stuff like that we'll you know it, it builds a bigger you know, a, a clientele and it also makes people 
realize that, you know, something out there that they haven't thought about or have never tried, now they have an opportunity and now they're educated about it. Okay. Um, so tell me, this is a question that I, I am interested to hear your answer on. Being in a sports complex, you're bound to get a lot of business, obviously, from the families that are there for sports. And that's going to get very crowded, especially during the big events and when they have tournaments, et cetera. How do you handle that crowd once that happens? Talk about the layout of the restaurant. Is there going to be outdoor seating? However, you're going to manage that. Let, let's discuss that. Sure. So we are lucky have a, a very large footprint here. And if most people are, are familiar with this location, we have a lofted area. Um, we have a main floor and we also have a decked area that overlooks the pool. So uh, on that, that deck area, we've put um, eight foot uh, picnic style tables because we understand that it's a family uh, environment. We're going to have a lot of teams come in. And so there's going to be big groups. We have already expected very large groups in here. So we set the seating up to accommodate those large groups. Um, so we have eight foot picnic tables outside. We have sliders and gliders out front with the cup holders in them too. So you can take your favorite beverage and go out and sit on and watch the fields. Uh, we've put six footers in as well. We have a team room that houses uh, only uh, large groups that we put in there, um, which feature only children's that hang from the ceiling. So uh, no, uh, no adult kids in that room. So, okay. And uh, we wanted to focus on, you know, our West Virginia athletes. Um, and so we have uh, a large uh, weight area, which, you know, it, if it's going to have any time like this time where you have to separate each other uh, with the six foot rule, we have enough space to do that and still house a, a, a large amount. Of people. So we're, we're, we're doing a, our footprint and uh we think it's very inviting and we think that uh everybody will love it that's good that's good to hear and, and related to that with these large sporting events going on obviously there's a lot of noise a lot of outside noise a lot of you know teams referees etc how are you going to keep that from interfering with your customer experience well it's uh that's a really good question we're far away from fields where you can get just enough of the ambient noise from them our Windows in this place are, uh, I wouldn't, they're extra thick. Let's just put it that way. And, so, um, and we have music in-house and, and we have TVs and, and all the fun stuff that you would see at a uh, sports bar. Okay. Uh, but, you know, we think that the atmosphere in here, um, the way that it looks, it's got an old ski lodge-ish look inside of it. So the way that the sound moves around in this building is it's it's different, and uh, and so you don't carry a lot of outside outside noise into this place. Okay. Well, let's move over a little more into the bar philosophy that you guys plan, and I and what I mean here is that I know it's not just a beer bar. You guys are going to be fully licensed beer, wine, and spirits. And tell me a little bit about what you're trying the kind of atmosphere or style that you want people to see that you create there. Well, it, it, we are a fully licensed um, uh, restaurant, um, and the bar is not necessarily our main focus. That's just the the bonus that goes along with it. Um, we have we'll have a very small liquor list um, naturally, and we have a very small wine list. There's there's no reason to uh, overthink. Uh, we are a very beer centric place, uh, and that's what we want it to be. Um, 
the main reason for that is there's not a lot of uh, liquor guys in West Virginia. You know, you have you have some up north and stuff like that, but we've got a lot of beer here. Yeah. So, um, any special features like uh, happy hours or weekend specials or you know how things like that going to happen? Price promotions at all? Any anything like that? Yeah. At a given time, we'll uh, we'll start moving things into uh, different price range stuff. The our main bar tap is a six dollar pint tap. It's always be six dollars. It doesn't matter what. So um, we're pretty proud of that, uh, and we want to keep it that way. Um, just because it's you know you you start getting into happy hour price, like insurances change when you start doing things like that. And so if we just consistent across the board and offer great competitive pricing um, and a place to sit and cool your beer, even when you don't have it in your hand, I think that's going to be the draw all on itself. Yeah. Well, one of the things too, that helps uh, the quality of the experience is your employees and staff and especially your bar staff. Uh, talk a little bit about who you've hired as bartenders or, and what, you know, what kind of backgrounds maybe some of your lead people have. Well, most of our serving staff, are also bartenders, so they can cross over. And what we were looking for in um, in our employment uh, or our employees is, you know, somebody that was multifaceted. Um, it, our thing is training and education here, and so we don't want um, somebody just to come in and be a server, or somebody just to come in and be a bartender, or somebody to come in and just be a dishwasher. We want to establish a more well-rounded. Uh, hospitality uh, person and so with that we give everyone the opportunity to move and, and cross over and learn aspects of the, of the of the job because at the very end of the day we want them to take away and say hey I worked at the pit and you know and we have a reputation for across our, our employees over and to make them a, uh, a more well-rounded employee for the next guy or themselves well, can you um, review for me your days and hours of operation? I'm sure it's probably going to be limited for obvious reasons, but I know you're getting ready to have your grand opening. So what can we expect? Well, right now, unfortunately, uh, we have to run a modified schedule. Um, and it's just because that's what we have to do to make things go forward and, and build upon that. So with the regulations the way they are and and stuff like that and, and having employees to come in, you know, and, uh, and be able to work with they fall at the same time. Our schedule is going to go from Tuesday to Saturday, uh, three o'clock till nine thirty, And then, uh, when we're outside COVID, uh, trough, then we're going to move to, uh, we're seven days, 11 to 11. Oh, wow. Sounds like a nice schedule. We, well, uh, yeah, we try to accommodate, um, you know, for the complex, there's lots of, of tournaments and stuff that happen over the weekends and, and after hours. It's quite awesome to sit out on the back porch. The fields are all completely lit up. It's a beautiful sight. And to see everybody down the fields and, you know, those those people that, that are down there are looking up at us and saying, hey, you know, as soon as this thing's over, we're going to go up there and, and uh, have a good beer and, and uh, have some good food. And, and that's what we want. So we try to make it available the best for, you know, for who we can. Well, we absolutely look forward to it and wish you the best. Good luck with everything. Hope everything goes very smoothly for you. And we appreciate you taking the time to have this interview with us. So thank you very much from West Virginia Beer Roads.
Yeah, Thanks. we're uh, we're really excited to those Frame Boys and Chef Paul Smith too uh, coming together on this the pitch, and that's an in Institute, West Virginia, right off the exit of I sixty four. I think that's right. And uh, again, thanks a, a lot, Steve, for joining us with West Virginia Beer Roads. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.